All right, I'm going to introduce today's episode, number 11, episode number 11. My name is James Noak. I'd like to welcome you to Knife Journal, the podcast, with my buddy, Carl. Carl. Kyle. (laughs) (laughs) First thing. Um, I've been getting emails about the last episode where I've been calling you Carl, and it's... um, (laughs) It's 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 pretty funny because literally this morning my kid just called me and said, "Hey, do you know you're calling Kyle Carl?" And I said, <laughs> and I probably have a half a dozen emails that, that say that. And uh, and here's my excuse: I'm sticking to it. I've been watching The Walking Dead, right? And I'm a I'm a my wife and I are relatively big fans. We like we like the The Walking Dead, and there's a kid in there that his name is Carl. Uh-huh. But his but his dad kind of mispronounces his name. Okay. And he call he calls him Call. And so for some reason because <laughs> he's be from the south or something. Yeah, exactly. He's from the south. And so so that for some reason that is stuck in my head and I'm likely to be calling you Carl until probably until The Walking Dead is is dead. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, I don't think it's going anywhere anytime soon. It's it's pretty funny. I I just but but I think that that's what it is. Somehow or another, that I've gotten that placed in my head, that that, and your name is so close is real. You know, it's Kyle and Carl is close. Yeah, and it's yeah. a it's a real easy slip up. So so if you're taking offense by it, tough, get over it. <laughs> call <laughs> calm yeah, it down. Doesn't, it doesn't bother me. So everybody just okay. needs to calm down. <laughs> you know, I got I got actually got a couple of of um coffee mugs that say that one says calm down drink coffee <laughs> and calm down and uh or no stay calm i guess it's stay calm stay calm and drink coffee and then the other one is stay calm and i think drink tea that's funny <laughs> well I, I i listen to um i listen to howard stern and have since the 90s and one time joan rivers was on there and uh, Joan Rivers was having some sort of a feud with that Avril Lavigne girl. You know, that mm-hmm. she's like some pop singer or something. Anyway, Joan Rivers said, uh, you're, you're just a little Jewish girl from Cincinnati. You just need to calm down. <laughs> <laughs> so ever since I heard that, it was like, I, I always funny. say, everybody just needs to calm down. <laughs> like, let's yeah. not get away, carried away mm-hmm. here. Yeah, that's where that comes from. Okay, so then, uh, so so apparently number 10 generated uh, a fair amount of emails relatively quickly. So we must be, we must have struck a chord with the big knife chopping thing. Yeah, we got to continue on that. And and we never even touched on the, the, um, the, the correlation of big knives and other, and other anatomy parts. Oh that, yeah, uh, <laughs> I'm not. I'm not even gonna go there. <laughs> and we didn't even touch on that. Yeah, I know, but it, it, it's because it's so like cliche to say that, you know. But I know. I well, know. Yeah, you know, I think uh, we we do need to continue that discussion because it's such a big topic, and there were a bunch of things that I was kind of meaning to say but didn't say because you know the conversation turned different ways and things like that and i'm sure well you you know why you know why why because you because you didn't calm down i know (laughs) yeah i got too excited about it but um no i'd say you know uh 
I, one one point that you, you called me when I was actually in the hardware store buying uh, lawnmower blades <laughs> for my parangs, <laughs> and um, it was funny that you called me and we talked about the big knife thing when when I was actually buying the raw materials to make a big knife. Um, mm-hmm. And one thing I would one thing that we were talking about is um, you use you, you one point that you made um, very strongly and that I agree with is that, you know, people in olden times didn't use big knives to, like, chop stuff. And, and you know, we're talking about American, you know, and uh, some of the European countries. So it, one thing people need to understand is we're pretty much, uh, it's very hard to look outside of your uh, culture and environment and, you know, have a, have a discussion where you include, like, other cultures and stuff. So, so for this, for the sake of this particular portion of the discussion, um, I'd say that, you know, it's, it's, you're, you're probably correct in that they did not, um, use big knives for chopping. And, and your point was, you know, well taken. Well, one, one caveat to that is, I would say, Maybe one of the reasons that they didn't use their knives for chopping is that they weren't being manufactured in such a way that they were capable of it. So since, since now we've come to you know ma- modern manufacturing where you're not trying to make a stick tang to save every inch of steel, you're making full tang knives, maybe um, what we're seeing is not... Is not um, you know, generated necessarily by the marketing, although I think that's true too. But I think uh, maybe what you're seeing is an evolution in technique because a new tool has become available or has adapted to the point that new tasks are possible. Yeah, and I was thinking about that too. But you know what? We had swords. Yeah. And so- and swords used to chop – those guys used to chop on chain mail and stuff. Yeah. You know? And, and, and you know, we had samurai samurais <clears throat> and, and, and we had big – swords that were used by uh by knights and stuff so in european knights and so i i don't know if the technology has changed that much i mean we're, we're talking about i mean what are they making most of the big choppers a lot of those big choppers are made out of high carbon steel that hmm, it's real similar to the to hmm. the swords and samurai swords that they used years and years ago yeah. So I, I don't so, know as I go along with that, but okay, you know. But you know, I, I just can, bring it up as a, a, as a caveat, yeah. you know, like yeah. maybe maybe it's something to consider that it was an evolution based on improvement in the durability of the tool. Yeah, so, and, and, you and know, I don't want to definitely our heat treats are much more precise and much better. Well, we can get more out of the same steel than we ever could before. Well, sure we are. Well, sure so, we are. But but one thing you have to remember. And, and I just keep falling back to this, was up until about 20, 30, maybe, you know, I'll even push the envelope and say 30 years ago. Up until about 30 years ago, which, when did the Rambo movie come out? Oh, that was uh, 19, like, 82 or 3, 4, 5, so, somewhere in there. So that's in the 30-year 30 yeah. 30 range. Up until about that time, we didn't, we didn't use knives like that no. to chop stuff. No. And, and, um, you know, I got, I got, uh, another email about that, about a fellow that, that was talking about bushcraft knives and, and, and 
big bushcraft knives as opposed to hunting knives. Yeah, we should probably take that as a separate topic because um, that's a whole other thing in itself. Well, do you think so? See, I don't think so. Well, I, I think, think they're connected, but I think the email deserves its kind of own segment. Yeah. Because it yeah, was, yeah, okay. what he said was pretty, you know, right. it needs to be discussed. But it, but, and, it, but it is pretty telling about somebody that is not a knife nut or, or a... A, a, a budding, let me call him a budding knife nut, you know, because he's not quite, he's buying everything that he can fa- he can find right now, but he hasn't quite figured out the the nuances of all those different styles of knives, but he right. knows he likes them. Yeah. And, and that's, and, and that's an interesting, uh, I think that, I think that's an evolution in itself, which, which I think is a big topic that could easily be talked about for a whole, for hours. Yeah. About how how we evolve from w- when we first become knife nuts, w- when we're we're like so excited that we're we're trying to accumulate every every sharp thing, <laughs> yeah. and you know we have a hard time differentiating between we, as we find the higher quality while we're looking, we start we start evolving. Yeah. At, you know we we want the better, we want the better, we want the better, and. And I think that that's a uh, that's an interesting evolution. And and so when when you have a budding knife nut, that's an you know, and my my future son-in-law is the same way. I mean, his the crowd that he runs with are hardcore hunters. Yeah. And you know, a buck knife is yeah. it. You know. Yeah. And and when it comes to skinning a deer and doing those kinds of things, a small, then they all say the same thing too. I want a small, I want something small that holds an edge for, for a good period of time. And a lot of them are carrying knives that their grandfathers carried. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, cause they're younger, you know, they're, uh, um, they're my kid's age, you know, they're all my kid's age. Yeah. And, and so, um, so they're talking about carrying knives that my dad carried. Yeah. And, and found, you know, which we're talking marbles, we're talking case knives, we're talking, some buck knives, um, and you know, Imperial and Schrade and Schrade, you know, the original Schrade Sharp Finger, you know, it's kind of like been called the, the the Michigan Hunter Special, right? Because because almost every Michigan hunter, whitetail hunter, had a, a Sharp Finger, right? You know, the, the old Schrade Sharp Fingers. But um, back to the big knife portion of it, the people. In the in uh, prior to 1980, basically, if you used a if you were camping, you used a chainsaw, a bow saw, an axe to yeah. cut up firewood, or you let the firewood. I mean, I can't tell you and how you many times you just break it with your knee. Is what and you we break it with did. your knee ex- exactly, exactly. You yeah. break it with your knee, or you or if it's too big to break with your knee, you you pry it between two trees. And if, if it's too big to do that, you pulled it across the fire and, oh, oh, what did you do? You let it burn in half and then you move the logs into, I, I've done that <laughs> a f- long, long, yeah. you know, forever. Yeah. I've done that. You know, you have a big limb. You don't want to waste your time. I mean, think about a big dry oak limb that's, that's three inches in diameter, four inches in diameter. Like, oh. Chief, you're not going to be breaking that. No. Yeah, so you what just do we burn do? It in half, what, so you you burn, burn it in half, and yeah. and that's and that's what that's what we did. And so, and and I don't want anybody to get me wrong. 
I love big knives. Yeah. I have I have lots of big knives. Yeah. Big choppers, trail masters, trail makers, Falcon Even uh, Thors, all those big, huge chopping knives that that you can't really you can't re- I mean they're not really good for much of anything else. Right. I mean because they're too big really to. I mean, I guess if you're quartering a moose or 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 something like that, yeah, okay, I'll I'll go along with that. But but you know, I mean, I've skinned enough deer over my lifetime to know that that's not my yeah. that wouldn't even be my fifth choice maybe, for a knife. To, yeah, maybe like a you know my my preferred I've said this before my my preferred blade um, shape is a drop point hunter. Yeah, preferred length is between three and four inches for for my yeah. woods knife, you know, and and that's that's if I'm carrying a fixed blade. Mo- most of the time, I just have a, a folder like a Swiss Army you, knife or something like that. You know, it's comical if if I had to choose between to skin a deer, and I had to choose between uh, a Falkneven Thor, which is that that big ten inch. Yeah, stacked stacked leather handle. It's a very cool knife. I, yeah. I mean, I love it. There, it's a it is a, it's a real sexy knife. And a Gransforth, um game hatchet yeah. to skin a deer. I yeah. would choose the game hatchet. Yeah, the hunter's axe. I have that. Yeah. That thing is no, awesome. No, no, no. The game, the not the hunter's axe. The hunter's oh. axe too. Yeah, because it's axe got too, that But they also make hole. they also make a smaller one. Oh, I have. They make they know. they make a. I have one around here somewhere. Somewhere they yeah. have a, they have what's called a game hatchet. Yeah, and it's got a teeny little head on it. Yeah, that and and it's got it's shaped in a way that you can choke way up on it, and you can use it like a ulu or a, yeah, um, or what's a yeah ulu right? Yeah, yeah, and, one and of those Alaskan deals. Yeah, did yeah. I say did I say Mexican? <laughs> no, you you started to say Eskimo, but I think it Eskimo. came out Eskimo okay. or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, well, I was thinking, oh my god, another faux pas, but. But that would be my choice. So, so I'm going to stick to that whole thing, and and I'm going to say that uh, that any of the remnants of the big knives, that that you know, like the the um, coffin handle Bowie knives, yeah, or uh, uh, any of those kinds of things that that we're using today as a camp knife, is the fact that um, that those knives, those Bowie knives, were made for fighting. Oh yeah, yeah. This and, is yeah, and then and so we can't we can't you know and and as a fighter they're not very good for 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 woodworking. Yeah, no. Either it, as you a don't have the tip a, control that you want, and it, no. I mean, you no. can change your grip and you can do all this stuff, but then you're you're adapting your behavior to the knife and not the knife to your behavior. Exactly. Exactly. But we love those shapes. Oh, we I love, love the shape. If you if you look at uh, a lot of the a lot of the Bowie knife shapes, you know, you see a side view picture of it. You really don't see how thin the blade is. Those, a lot of those Bowie knives had extremely thin blades. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you look at the Bowies that the ABS guys are making, you know, the fighting Bowies that they're yeah. making, they're they're very thin. Mm-hmm. They're very very thin blades, and because they're supposed to be really fast. Yeah, the Marine the, the, Marine Raider is an eighth inch or under. It's actually yeah. under that. I've got yeah. one on the shelf up there. But, yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so I, this, this, um, this, this opens up so many different avenues of discussion. Um, 
one of the things that Ethan Becker and I talked about, and I have we haven't aired that second portion of the podcast, is um, the knife as a ceremonial object, and yeah. the knife as a confidence builder. You know, uh, there there are lots and lots and lots of uh, uh, times in history and precedents for when you know you take the average sh- soldier and you say, okay, well now you're part of a special team. Here's your special knife. You know, and and if you if you have a ceremonial thing that says, okay, this is this makes you part of the elite. You know, then. Um, then it's more of a confidence builder than it is necessarily a um, useful tool. And I think maybe that's part of what is going on with our current obsession with huge knives. That's interesting. Yeah, and he had all sorts of things to say. And then and then if you also, the other point that came out um, when we were hashing it out is uh, if you look at the big knives that are popular, they all have these like real sharp angles and, and handles that just don't look like they'd be comfortable to me. And, you know, they have sharp lines and ridges and things like this. And if you compare the lines on those to the lines on a suit or a uniform or something like that, they're very similar, you know, very sharp lines, very, very angular. And I think that he was really onto something with that. Um, mm-hmm. That's interesting. Yeah, so that's a that's a whole other way of looking at it. Now, um, I would say I'm going to hold up a knife, and I don't want you to say what this knife is um, because it might hurt somebody's feelings. Um, so yep. you know the knife I'm talking about. You've used it. Mm-hmm. Um, the The problem I have, and I, for our audience at home, I'm just holding up a knife um, that actually has a very extremely comfortable handle. But and then it's got a nine-inch um, blade with a clip point, so it's like a Bowie. Um, but the problem with using this knife as a chopper is the bottom of the blade is completely flat all the way across, and that edge geometry, you, it's like they took a, a pocket knife um, with a with a straight edge, and they just said, well, I'm going to take and take this pocket knife design and just make it longer, you know, and it's like the decisions were made uh, in a vacuum, ignoring knives like this one, and what I'm holding up right now is is a Parang, actual Parang from in-country from uh, around World War II times, it's got the buffalo handle and things, if you look, um, this is is why I'm so careful, when when I talk, try to talk about big knives and you know when they're useful, other cultures have used big knives for a long time, but they don't look like our big knives. Right. I mean, this you can go to anywhere in, in Southeast Asia and find people that live and use only a big knife. You know, they don't have anything else. They just use these parangs. This one has probably a 10 or 11 inch blade. It's one of the bigger ones I've seen, but. You know, if we're trying to make big knives, we should we should look at look outside of just lengthening um, existing knives. You should look at edge geometry that's been proven over time as being um, as being useful. And so that's one of my reasons for the current obsessions with um, parangs. Uh, now I'm holding up one of my 
uh, one of the two lawnmower blade prangs that I paid for my forge with. I still have to finish it, but I'm waiting for somebody to get me the grinder. Hint, hint. <laughs> uh, but, you know, it, it, the, you can take one of my, you know, blades that's very unsophisticated, one of my lawnmower blade prangs, and uh, I beat it out with a hammer on uh, over a coal forge, okay? And you can you can use this and put it head to head with that other knife that I held up with the straight bottom, and every single time a parang shaped blade with the curved bottom edge is going to dominate, and you know give give the same person the knife and and have them do it the same way, it, it it's not even funny. So I mean if you're going to use a big knife and you want to use it you know for chopping tasks and as your all around camp knife, then look. Look at cultures and look at knife shapes that have been used that way. That's my only point. Right, and and I think that when you're when you hold up a knife like that and you you, you have to think about where it's being used mm -hmm. and what it's being used for. Right. You know, I mean, a lot of guys are judging stuff by, you know, where I live, let's yeah. say, or the or the or the forest, the boreal forest. Right. And. <clears throat> Um, while that knife would do real well there, um, if you take some of our knives and bring them into those tropical areas, they may not do so well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like I said, this there are, you know, I, at, I know I, I've seen this particular knife that I'm holding up now. This is that one that I don't want to yep. hurt the guy's feelings. Um, I've seen this particular knife used in jungle environments, and it sucks. Yes. You know, it's just... <laughs> It's just terrible. Like it doesn't do what you think it should be able to do. But I think isn't that that's the I think that's the geometry portion of it. It is. It 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 has nothing to do with the steel or anything else. It's just not designed right. Right. You know. It it was just basically I want to make a huge freaking knife that looks impressive um, without any thought to, you know, how how it was how the edge was designed and, and how it's going to be efficient at its task and stuff. But anyway, I own it. So obviously I like it. So <laughs> if, if anybody can figure out which knife I'm talking about, obviously I like it and I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. I, I actually have one of those too. And I, I don't, I don't find the handle that comfortable. You don't. Yeah. No. I, I think it's, I, I don't think that that's, I think that that's a, uh, uh, I think it causes a hot spot on the back of my hand and by your pinky, the heel. Yeah. The, yep. Yeah. The pinky. Yeah, it does because it, it, it comes down too far. I'd like it m more gradual, like on this one. Yeah. Um, you know, it, and that's just, again, that, that particular design feature was lifted, you know, completely from an older design. Yeah. And I, I mean, the guy's very open about it, but. Anyway, this is how you should make your handles. <laughs> if everybody uh, everybody at home doesn't know, I'm holding up that um, blue knife that I made at, uh, at Mike's uh, grinding. Uh, Did you ever see unbiased. this knife? Oh, what? They hold it up a little bit. I can't see it. Okay, that's is that that British one? No, this is a knife that uh, I designed. Oh, that's cool. I like the handle. Well, the, the the handle needs to be a little bit longer. It's a little bit too short. And I made another one in Skamra, 
stole it from me. <laughs> but it's the same. It's a, maybe the blade is a little bit longer than that. But the blade shape isn't that sexy? As shit? Yeah, it's well, it's a marine raider shape that's shrunk a little bit. Yeah, because it's got that down sweep from the yeah. Yep. Yeah, it's the marine and, raider. Uh, and this is supposed to be a pommel, and and so when the second version of this, the second iteration of this. The handle is a little bit longer, and if you notice that it's got a palm swell on the back, or a, a swell on the back. Yeah. See that? See yeah. that right there? Yeah. And then it's got the palm swell, and then it's got a swell side to side, a little very, very gently. Yeah, yeah. It should be subtle. And uh, but the problem is, is that this this is supposed to emulate a uh, a butt cap. Okay. And the problem is, is that it just became a, it was a little bit too too pronounced and I need and so the second iteration was a little bit uh, it was a little bit a um, little smaller and a little bit longer okay. and then the handle was a little bit longer too and it made it made for it and and we're talking about seeing as how we're all starting knife companies I might <laughs> I might start a knife company and sell this knife yeah and sell several versions of this knife because yeah. to me this knife, this is to me, this is the most sexy blade design, and it's not my hundred. It's not my design. It's a, it's a design I lifted, but it's a, uh, uh, it's a Marbles Ideal, the first model Marbles Ideal. Okay. So this was this was forged back in the day when this the shape of the blade. Yeah was forged back in the day when uh, Webster Marble first started. So it's like 19, I want to say it's 1903. Uh-huh. So so it's a 1903 version. And I, and to me, that's the sexiest blade shape that's ever. Uh, I wrote a story about it back in for uh, quite a long time ago, 2000. Uh-huh. Um, and, and for some reason, that knife has always just burned in my head as being like the perfect outdoorsman's knife. Yeah. Yeah, well, and and uh, I would make three different three at least three different blade lengths. You know, maybe finishing it out with a with a seven and a half or an eight inch, but shortening it up to like a, a four and a half. Yeah. <clears throat> well, and going all the way out, and then making them full tang. Yeah, yeah, and then uh, yeah, I mean that it, I'm it's pretty cool design. It's proven. I mean, it's the ideal shape. So. Yep. 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 Yeah. Where were we? <laughs> so what else is going on anyways? We're that going off on tangents of, and stuff. Yeah, that was actually one of my that was actually one of my uh, one of my three nines I picked to play with today. Oh okay, yeah, so we'll talk about that. Um uh, let's see, what should we say? Oh uh hmm. I had something to say. Oh, I know what we should do. We should try to um we should try to start a thread on uh Knife journal, knife journal, um, with just pictures from the show, like uh, pictures of the knives that we're showing and stuff. Okay. And then okay, that's a good idea. Yeah, because I I'll uh, I'll take some pictures of these and upload them in episode eleven knives or whatever. And if you want to put yours in too, I'm not gonna show the picture of the knife that I trash talked a little bit. <laughs> that you just dissed. No, because. <laughs> <laughs> Again, it's such a small world, and and you know there's a a lot of knife makers I'm really good friends with, and you know I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. So. Yeah, yeah, because you would. Yeah. 
because we're all we all get butt hurt. Yeah, and I, I'm, I'm subject to the same things. So, not me. I have thick skin. Well, for the most part, I am. But you know, something so personal as your knife design that you, you might get a little butt hurt about that. <laughs> well, is that you put a lot of yourself into into designing a knife and stuff. Well. It was kind of funny because when I made when I made the the second version of this, it kind of cracked me up because the minute Dave uh, saw that he uh, he wanted it. Huh? Um, What's going on? The minute on? he saw it, oh no, uh, my phone is ringing in the background. I can hear it. Okay. Um, and, and folks at home, we're getting a little bit of latency here uh, on our internet connection. Uh, so, um, it might take a minute to get through this here. I'm shutting down things on my computer, so it, I know my end is, I don't have a very high-speed connection. Okay. I'm not lucky enough, my, my cell phone actually has faster internet than my house does. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but, uh, uh, I know, you know, when you talk about, um, what you put into a, a knife design, and 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 when you when you grind it all out, and you look and you feel how it feels, and and it was kind of funny because I that knife I brought to PWYP, and I was kind of somewhat showing it off, and one guy looked at it and he kind of smiled. You know who I'm talking about, and um and and my buddy Dave grabbed it, and he started finger. Well, yeah, I mean, Did, he, he started, started doing nasty things to your knife, <laughs> and, and he was he was coddling it and uh, and caressing it and in <laughs> in the of course in the most manly type way, right? <laughs> As he would and, a beautiful woman. Yes, and um, uh, and actually, what, what was pretty pretty funny was I had a lot of really positive comments on it yeah and it does and it does make you feel good because when you when you throw yourself out there you think you know what happens if if they don't like it you know yeah. and, and no matter what image we portray that you know we're we have thick skin and we have a lot of you know um you still are you still feel vulnerable right because you take pride in it yeah yep. you, you spend and, a lot of time on it and you care about it and if somebody just trashes it you know yep without having put forth anything of their own right, <laughs> for right, you to exactly. trash and return it kind of exactly you know but then it really got me because um somehow or another he ended up with it and and i still don't know i think i traded something for it but i can't i don't even know what i traded for it hmm. and so uh, oh i know what it was i know what it was um but it was it was kind of funny that he wanted it that much. Yeah. You know, well, I, I was like, wow, that's pretty amazing that you want that that much. Yeah. So, um, what else you want to talk about? Uh, knife number two. You want to talk about knife number two? Yeah. Let's see knife number two. I can't even. I can't even pronounce this. But it's a pretty cool knife. Oh, it's a Pauco, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's a real one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. See the? Can you see the uh, name on it? I Try can't to pronounce that. I can't see it. I can't see it. Okay. Let me see if I can turn on a light here. 
Oh, I won't be able to. Your your camera doesn't have the resolution for me to be able to see that. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's not. Well, it's through. it's um, it's a. Uh, I I will butcher the name, but it's a it's a Finnish knife. Okay. Made in, made in Finland. It is a stack leather handle with a with a uh, a brass guard and a brass pommel. Okay. And it's and it's. Interesting that uh, that the blade shape or the handle shape is it still has the little palm swell if you can see the palm swell yeah you see it it's yeah. very slight but uh -huh. it's there but the handle tapers from the guard to the back almost like a like a saddle horn almost or like an axe even or an axe yeah but you surely would not use this for any kind of chopping purpose no. Yeah. But this 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 knife right here um, is has a uh, um, a flat grind to zero. Yeah. No no sec no uh, no second. Well, it's got a secondary bevel on it now because I because I changed it. Um. It's not but, full flat though because I see it, it, the the plunge line. No, I don't mean flat grind. I you mean, mean uh, um, Scandi to zero. Scandi grind. I'm sorry. Yes, it's a it's a flat Scandi grind. Right. Okay. And you know when these became flat Scandi grinds? Huh. Around 1900. Oh, okay. Because we had a machine that would do it. Exactly. Yeah. Prior to that, these knives, if you look at if you look at traditional Pucos, were not Scandi ground. Yeah. They were convex. They were, this is this is yes, they were convex. Yeah. This is something that is 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 kind of interesting to hear the arguments that go along with with the uh, uh, with the Scandi knives and the zero grind the 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 uh, Scandi grind to zero. Yeah. And and how much these are so much better than and this is the traditional and da 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 da. Yeah. And and I something back and say you know why it's like that. Why? Oh, let's see. Because they could machine grind it that way. Yeah. The traditional Scandi knives are not done like this. Yeah. Well, so and it's, it's kind of a funny again. Thing. Then, then it's um, the opposing view would be, well, it's uh, it's better now. It was an evolution. <laughs> <laughs> we we aren't doing it because it's easier and, and, and cheaper you, to save <laughs> to, to grind and, it. And you know what? It was an evolution. Yeah. It was it was an evolution because it was it was a lot easier to grind it this way. Yeah, and and, and so it, it, it is. It, it actually does a, the the edge geometry for for a lot of wood tasks does does right. perform pretty well. Right, you but know. it's it's a very fragile edge. I don't give a shit what anybody says. It's a fragile edge. Yeah, I would agree. You can you can you can break them pretty easy. Well, I've I've you turned know. over a lot of uh, Scandi ground edges. Yeah. Yep, you know, yep, there's yep. just not enough support out at the tip, and I know I'm going to get so much hate over that. Yeah, you know what? Thick skin, buddy. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> Thick skin. You know, when you have an opinion and it's based in reality, <laughs> as opposed to based in fantasy land. You know, I, I used to it used to crack me up, and and this is going to be like one of those tangent things. I remember back, eh, 15 years ago. You would see some some guy would show a picture of his little wood stove, with with a little pack, a little pile of wood next to it, so nice and and <laughs> and stacked 
and stacked up so nice and sweet. And if you looked at the wood, it was like it was like you know two inch diameter little sticks. <laughs> <laughs> and and you know then there was a uh, uh, what the hell did they used to call those uh, wood witch wood wood gnome or a wood um there was, it was like some kind of a a, a wood carving a of a figurine guy. yeah yeah thing that it was supposed to bring you good luck or yeah, yeah. something i don't know what it was you know and then they had like a little fire in the little wood stove and it was like <laughs> and and they're in freaking like in the desert in arizona okay so it gets like you know 35 degrees twice a year yeah or something like that you know and i'm like dude you know that looks kind of cute but the reality of it is where I live, that isn't gonna work. Yeah, we that don't gonna play that. that. We wouldn't. We can't even warm an outhouse with that. Yeah, homie, don't play two inch wood. No. <laughs> <laughs> I, it takes more wood to warm up my tent. Yeah, than that. And and uh, and it's, so it's like, but they have this like esoteric fantasy about how it. What's it? What it, is it like to live? Oh, in the in the woods or the wilderness or and and I think that part of that is the fact that we we are so we have become so uh so for lack of anything better we people will say it's civilized I'm not sure it's civilized I think it's citified yeah but we've become so citified that we don't even think about what would happen if somebody shut the gas off or. <laughs> You know, or yeah. or you know that they're everybody's. Well, we'll just I'll just go to the ATM. You know, I'll just go to the. I'll just get some cash at the ATM, or I'll just give them my Mastercard, and everything will be fine. Mm-hmm. And and I remember a period of time when when um, I was having this conversation with with uh, with somebody, and I said, you know, problem solvers are not problems are not solved with a cell phone and a credit card. You know, that's the way you solve your problems is you make a phone call and you have somebody else solve the problem for you. Yeah. I said, that's I said, what's going to happen when the cell towers are no longer and the credit cards won't work? And you're not going to be able to know how to do anything but scratch numbers on a piece of paper and make a presentation. <laughs> and and that was prior to the big. Well, it was prior to Y2K. It was like. It was probably, that was probably five or six years before Y2K even was thought about, uh-huh. and and because there was uh, my car had broke and we were stuck somewhere and I lifted the hood up and and uh, uh, this good friend of mine was saying, "You let me call? Let, I'll just call a wrecker. I'll just call a wrecker, and I'll say, you know what? Shut your phone. Put that back in the bag. You know we don't need it." I'll just fix it and we'll move on. <laughs> and so, and it was cold that night and, and snowing and I lifted the hood and I, I don't even remember what I did to fix it, but I fixed it, closed the hood. And I think I had ice water in the gas or something. And I had to pull a fuel filter off and change it or something like that. It was something like that. It wasn't mm-hmm. anything real major, but it was something that, but it was back in the day when you could just change a fuel filter. That was that easy. Yeah. I changed the fuel filter because it had ice in it and put it back together and drove on. And, you know, it was like no big deal. But, you know, here we were going to call for help. She was going to call for help with a cell phone. <laughs> I was like, no, that's not the way I roll, homie. Yeah. 
If if you guys get mad about me saying that I've rolled the edge on a Mora, I apologize. It didn't happen. All Moras are perfect. <laughs> That's funny. And you absolutely have... <laughs> need a knife to start a fire. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yep, yep. There's no question about it. You have to. You know, I was with a uh, uh, buddy of mine, and we were at this, one of these early survival-type things, you know, and he's... He is so in your face. It's not even funny. I mean, I, I get, I just love him dearly. He's hilarious. We've worked together quite a bit, and and we just hit it off. And uh, so he comes to one of these. The first, the first one he comes to. Uh, we're talking about building fires, and guys are talking about building fires, rubbing their fingers together and shit like that, you know. And, like Mr. <laughs> oh, fire. Yeah, exactly. I can just, you know, exactly. And, and so, uh, he, he's, as we're talking about it, he's getting all his, throwing his wood in the fire and getting a little fire pit going and putting his, gathering up his wood for his fire, you know, and everybody's waiting to see what, what technique he's going to use, you know, if he's going to like rub his elbows together or, 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 you know, he's going to use a, a, a magic match or he's going to use, who knows. So. Uh, he's he's ready to start going. He's got a pretty good pile of wood. He's got, definitely got the pile of wood that you would not try to start a fire with if you were, like, using a, um, like a bow drill or something yeah. like that, you know. And so he goes he goes over to his tent, and he comes back, and he's got a little cup full of, of petrol. <laughs> <laughs> he throw, throws it on the fire and throws a match on it. Whoosh! <laughs> <laughs> and he said... That's the way we do it in special forces. <laughs> it was it was yeah. absolutely hilarious, uh, and and it just it it I think what it does is it points out the fact that some people just take this stuff a little bit too serious, um, you know, uh, and and I've had this conversation with several other quote-unquote survival experts and and we we've all come to about the same conclusion now which is yes it's a good idea to know how to start a fire with a bow drill yes it's a good idea to start a be able to start a fire with a tr in a, tr a fire trough mm -hmm. yes with a flint and steel yes with a flint and whatever yeah but if you have if you absolutely have to have a fire because you're going to die in 10 minutes Bush without a fire, fire. you better freaking have some matches. And or you better have three different forms of fire and to some, get something some going. Some bushcraft and some, butter. And some bushcraft butter. Because otherwise, if you're relying on a bow drill, it's 40 below zero, the wind is howling, you're going to die. Yeah. That's all there is to it. You're just going to die. Because you're, you're, I don't care how you're, you know, the natives carried around, a, I mean, once they had, the, the fire was so important to them that they carried around fire bundles and they had a guy that that was his only job was the keeper of the fire. Once they had a fire going, they never let it go out. Yeah. And, and they would make a fire bundle and they would carry it. So when it was that cold, they, the, and, and the Eskimos, they used whale blubber. Yeah. Uh, excuse me, that's oil. <laughs> how dare you? <laughs> they were using you know? buckskin pants and like fur yeah. hats and stuff. Yeah, and they and they used that's oil. cheating. Oil, and that's they, cheating. Exactly, but they did that. And you know what? 
I'm not even sure that some of the natives didn't burn that crap that used to was on the surface in Pennsylvania. Oil? When we first yes, yeah, why when we wouldn't first you? showed up. Why wouldn't you? You're silly. And when I was in <laughs> in, uh, in Iraq, there was a fire that's been going there in a, in. A, uh, in fact, I guess it's biblical. There's a passage in the Bible that mentions it in the Old Testament, and it was—I don't remember what they—it's called the fire of life or the fire of something or other, the some kind of eternal flame that's that's up in Kirkuk. It's been burning for north of Kirkuk. It's been burning for it for ever, <laughs> for forever. And you know, you mean to tell me that those people didn't use? It's like, oh, look at that crap that's coming out of the ground. It's burning. Hey, you know what? It burns a long time. You know what? I think I'm going to use some of that shit. <laughs> Start my fire with it. Yeah. I mean, come on. Let's get real. Well, it, when you mention um, like the carrying the fire and all that, it reminds me of this great movie that all outdoorsmen should see called The Quest for Fire. Have you seen that with the cavemen? <laughs> And the scene, oh, it's funnier than hell. It's on Netflix. Um, I have to watch that. Yeah, these these cavemen, they're like Neanderthals. Like, they have some guy that carries around the fire, and, like, he, he, like, trips and falls, and it falls in a swamp or something, and they all flipped out because there goes their source of fire. And so these three cavemen have to go on a a hunt to find more fire, and they ran into, like, (laughs) real humans, and they were like, there's all this, like, great... Well, I don't want to spoil it, but there's like I'll have to, crazy, I'll have to crazy. It, it, it'll warp your mind if you're below a certain but, age because there's like crazy sex scenes in there between the Neanderthals and the humans. Well, I have to, I have to, um, I, I have to laugh because it's a, it's, it is one of those things that yeah, it's real important. And the natives, and you know, you always hear that. Oh, the natives did it this way. The natives did it that way. Yeah, you know, I'm what? a native. No, they, they, they didn't. <laughs> I'm a native. They, they, really, they, they really did. You What's know, wrong they, with they, me? <laughs> you know? they, were, they had to be nomadic because they would come onto a piece of property. And do you ever think about trying to feed 100 people on 10 acres or 12 acres or even feed 100 people off the land Pre, on foot? Pre-agriculture, not going to happen. No. Yeah. No. You have no, to they would, around. They would totally rep 10, 15, 20 acres to the point where they couldn't come back on it for 20 years because they couldn't live because it was horrible. <laughs> It was just, it was, they would just trash it. Yeah. And then they would move to the next 10 acres and they would just trash that. And, and it, in a 20 year cycle, they might come back to the original place. Yeah. Because it was so bad. Yeah. I mean, you know, they would, I mean, imagine <laughs> trying to live in my neighborhood through the winter with, without the use of fiberglass insulation, without the use of glass windows oh, and it. doors. You'd, and, you'd go south. You'd be, you know, you'd, you'd go like, south. Of course, you'd you be would. like, you, you, you know how much work it would require to heat ash, an ash bark wigwam. <laughs> well, <laughs> they know? moved. That's why they moved. <laughs> you know, it's like, you no, know, I, I don't want to stay I think up there. St- but I think they stayed up here for uh, for quite a long time. But, but you know, I mean, it's it's yeah, it sounds really romantic. You know, because we think of it as our, with, you know, doing it with our comforts that we have today. Mm. Yeah. And you know what? They they didn't live long. Yeah. There's you this, know? well, it, it, okay, so I, I'm going to I'm gonna go on a little aside here. There's this. Um, oh, really? Well, you could go off on a bigger tangent than that? No, 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 no. This, this, is, <laughs> this is pertaining to survival here. There's this, there's this guy who has a podcast um, called Christopher Ryan, and his podcast is Tangentially Speaking. 
well, he's this big hippie dude, and uh, he's one of these anthropology type hippie dudes, right? Yeah. And I I remember the first time I came into contact with these anthropology hippie dudes. I was a freshman in college, and they're saying this stuff like, well, you know, we should all live like hunter gatherers and stuff, and like life would be like bliss. And I'm like, have you ever spent a single night in a tent somewhere? Well, no. I'm like, maybe you ought to go out and try that for, you know, at least one night before you're telling me how great, you know, these hunter-gatherers lived with their frickin', you know, moose skin boots and stuff. Like, <laughs> it's not that Dude, great. That, that is a tough life. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I, by anybody's standards, that's, well, that's a, a flippin' tough life. You know, even if you lived in a... Okay, let's put it in perspective. You got a, you get, I just got a Kifru tent. You got a, a big Kifru tent. I got a smaller one. I got like a, a, a four man tent. You got a 10 man tent? A 12, yeah. The TP a 12 man tent? Can you, okay, that's modern technology at almost at its finest, okay? Right? Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a para TP. Yeah. Para, para frame or a parasil tarp TP. Yeah. With, with aluminum poles and a stove inside of it. And a fiberglass thing to keep. Okay, and you can heat that up to 80 degrees. No matter how cold it is outside, you can heat it up. But can you imagine trying to live in that for a winter? Oh, forget it. No way. (laughs) I'd walk. I'd walk south. You'd be like, you'd have to burn so much wood just to try to function. Well, and then for any length of time. Yeah, and and then you got and then you got to gather your food. Then you got to do. You know, you'd be wearing like your your. You'd never take your clothes off. You wouldn't want to go. You wouldn't even want to go to the bathroom. You'd be like. Go in the bathroom in your pants. Yeah. Because you wouldn't even want to take your pants off. Yeah, just, just let it all hang out. Just That's right. You'd be like, all done. <laughs> yeah, well. But, can you, but seriously, can you imagine? I mean, I can't even fathom spending, you know, several weeks in a tent like that. Well, I can. Um, I, I, I've, I've spent, uh, I've lived, I'm trying to think, at least two summers in tents. Oh, and, wait a minute. The key word is summers right wait oh yeah winter for dinner. <laughs> well and then or, or for jungle like i'll go out for yeah. you know three weeks yeah. at a time I'm, in jungle i'm talking and be about i'm talking about like eskimos living in oh in no, igloos that, or, that's crazy or talk. you know living up here in the winter time you know yeah i mean you'd be it. you would spend so much time you'd you would definitely be trying to build something more permanent i mean one of the things about us is we change our environment we're, we're like the only I think we're the only only living thing that actually tries to change its environment so that we can live in in places that are inhospitable. Hmm. And so we create we we have the ability to think about and create an environment that we can live in, right? That we can tolerate. And and uh, I with the with the technology of 200 years ago, 300 years ago, I'm not sure. I mean, they didn't even have a. a, a I mean, think about it. The pioneers didn't even have a wood stove. They used a fireplace. I mean, Ugh. I mean, wood stoves. Wood stoves were were something. It's a that, luxury uh, item. Yeah, and it, and it was you know when did that come about? In like the seventeen eighties, seventeen sixties, seventeen seventies. I mean, it Ugh. was something that Ben Franklin came up with a with a with a portable fireplace Ugh. with a cast iron fireplace. Terrible. Yeah, yeah well, you so- know, I mean. So, so what I was getting at is this Christopher Ryan guy, he wrote this book called Sex at Dawn, and he's got all these crazy theories about how things were and like how people were just running around like monkeys screwing each other's brains out and stuff. And I'm like, dude, no. 
it, you can totally tell that this guy has only ever lived in the cities and he has no real experience with the outdoors. And he's trying to tell us that we should go back and like live like they did a hundred thousand years ago when people would, you know, freaking die because they got a boil on their arm. It's like, no, I'm not going back to the pre-antibiotic era. You're just delusional. You just are. I'm sorry. You're wrong. And well, I know because a, that, I've lived that way. You're that, that's wrong. That whole, that's that whole romantic. There's a, that, there's a romantic notion that somehow or another it was much better. I mean, is, are things perfect today? No. Things are far from perfect today. You know, we have some serious issues that we need to address. Yeah. Uh, that need to be addressed. And, and you know, we, I mean, some of these people could get their wish and we would be back in the Stone Age with our, with, you know, if we don't have any electricity, we don't have any of this or any of that. Yeah. We're out of fuel. We're out of, you know, and, and we may, we may have to live like that again in the, in <laughs> the near future. Who knows? But, uh, you know, it's not something that I want to do. No. I mean, I, I, I can, I, I enjoy, could. yeah, I enjoy going out into the wilderness knowing that I'll be able to come back. That's yeah, the other thing it, these people don't seem to get is like, it's a very different thing to take a three week long trip into the Amazon jungle and be happy when you're doing that, knowing that you're going to be able to go back to civilization and take a shower and get Starbucks and crap like that. Imagine yeah. if, imagine if like that all of a sudden there's, was your life. There's no going back. What, you know, yeah. there's, it's like. It's like, oh, I just got fixed. I can never go back. It's like I'm back in the 1700s. I could never go back. Right. And there's That's, and you don't get, uh, you know, you get appendicitis, you're dead. You know, yeah. you, your kid gets pneumonia, that your kid's dead. Like, literally, yeah. all three of my kids have had serious enough illnesses that they would have died without modern medicine. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. it's like, it's crazy talk. It's crazy talk. You know, everybody mm-hmm. thinks that they can reinvent society that we're all cavemen but we'll get to benefit and keep all of the stuff that makes our well, society worth living think, in you know your iphone it. isn't gonna work douchebag <laughs> you know and i there's okay. no app okay. for okay. you being a moron calm okay down. calm down <laughs> calm your ass down okay <laughs> right? okay so 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 you think about and and these are the things i do think about is you know back then if you broke your ankle, I, and oh. I'm talking about 1600s, 1670s, when when the the first explorers came up here. Yeah. If you broke your ankle, you're dead. Very likely. Like you're the dead. French trappers you're, you're, and all that, French exactly. Canadians. Forget yep, it. Yep. If you broke your ankle, you're dead. Yeah. I mean, there 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 just basically is no, you know, it, you broke your arm. There's a good possibility you're going to die. Yeah. Because you're even if you could get it, fi- even if you get it fixed, and if you're, if, but if you're by yourself and you get oh. it fixed, oh. you still got to provide your meals. You still got to, you still got to cut firewood. You still got to be able to, you know. Yeah. You know they talk about they talk about um, uh, during the, I mean, you know where I, I where I live. Yeah. It's it was like the one of the the big French outposts yeah. during the 1600s, and you know they talk about. People that were walking from Sioux, Canada, to Saint Ignace, and it would take them ten days <laughs> on snow on snowshoes. Ten days. Oh my gosh! So you're talking about a two-hour car drive, mm. but it'll take you ten days oh. by snowshoe. Okay. So it's going to take you ten days, and there's nothing between there, but nothing but nothingness. Yep. 
and you're going to you know, burn 10,000 calories a day. Exactly. You're going to show up 20 pounds lighter than when you left. Exactly. If you show exactly. up at all. Uh, you know what? For me, it probably wouldn't be a bad thing. Well, <laughs> you and me both. I could stand to lose. I could stand to lose 10. But, uh, but the point is that that when you start putting things in perspective and you start pointing out the fact that, you know, okay, it took this much. When you talk about just sheer numbers of calories that you need to eat to consume just to survive, yeah. just basic. Not, that's not doing and and you can't just go to the grocery store. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, it's not like I got to walk ten miles to the grocery store to get food to and and pack it back. Yeah. I've got to. I've got to find a source of food. That's why fishing was a big deal yeah. here. Yeah, I mean, stay along waterways. Was exactly and and um, uh, but what what else? What else? You can't live on protein alone. Yeah, you gotta have you gotta have other you sources. Know? You know, you're eating tree bark and <laughs> pine needles. I mean, I I mean, pine needles are good. No, I pine, like pine bark. Needles. Yeah, they eat the in, intercambrium layer of pines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but still, you're you're uh, you know pine needle tea and that kind of stuff. But but still, the the notion that that you could take, you know, we probably in in America, you probably could take out of the population maybe a thousand guys could go back during that period of time and function, yeah, and and not have any issues. Yeah, there are very few people alive very, today very, that can could manage. Very it. few, because it's because like you said, it's not you're never going back. Yeah. You know, it's not like going on a camping trip or on a, on a, and you look at, look at how technology has changed that. I mean, you, have you lugged around a Duluth pack? Yeah, I've got one. There's, there's <laughs> no more, there's no more romantic notion than fricking trudging around a Duluth pack. Yeah. When you got, when you got guys going on these lightweight camping trips where they're, where a four bladed uh, Swiss army knife is more knife than you need because it, it's, it adds ounces. Yeah, <laughs> you know they they coined the term "take care of the ounces and the pounds will take care of themselves." It's like, what? Are you kidding me? Really? You know, I'm gonna have a lightweight. I'm gonna have a lightweight everything, and I'm gonna and I'm gonna sleep in a paper bag. Yeah, you know, or something that's so thin that you know, and uh, and I'm gonna my whole pack. My whole pack weighs nine pounds, <sighs> and I'm gonna and I'm gonna hike across Isle Royal, which is a two week trip. Or whatever, yeah. Whatever, however long you make it, and that's all. And that's all I need. It's like okay, but and and it sounds like a wonderful thing, but dude, that's not roughing it. <laughs> if you if you if you went back in time, and you put on a canvas, you'd have a canvas backpack, and you'd make your you'd make a frame out of wood, yeah, out of ash. What's the name and, of that? It's a real famous. Real famous um, pack. It's 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 that the everybody had one up until like you know the aluminum frame packs were invented. It's it, it's uh, like, gosh, what's the name of that? It's is it Norton pack or something or it's one of those old wood framed packs. You sure not? I'm thinking Duluth pack. But Maybe no. let me let me look. Um, Duluth pack. Let's see. Yeah, I don't, I don't know, but the the reason I uh, bring it up is um, 
gosh, what's the name of that pack? Anyway, that that was like the standard of pack for a long time. Mm -hmm. It's a trapper pack. Trapper, mm -hmm. something trapper pack. Let's see. Trapper pack. Uh, hmm. Well, all the, all the ones that I can see now are like by these super high-end... Uh, yeah, modern modern things, but um, there there was a real famous trappers pack. The guy's name um, is skipping my mind, but I've got one, um, and and it's one of the original ones. Well, anyway, the reason I bring that up is um, if you've ever heard of uh, the Mad Trapper of Rat River, uh, the he was this uh, guy who was a trapper up in uh, up way up north. And the movie uh, Death Hunt with Charles Bronson was uh, oh, based yeah. off this. His name is Albert Johnson. Um, yep. And th there's books on it, but one of the books has an appendix of all of the gear that he was carrying. And it's it's really interesting to um, see that list. And it's it's basically the same exact stuff that that I carry when I go on expeditions, you know. Very, very heavy on being able to repair all of your gear. So, yes. you know, he had lots He had lots of fishing hooks. He had, like, one or two knives that were made from, like, a file or something. Um, but, and, and everything else that was in there was to, for keeping and maintaining his gear. Especially snowshoes and things like that. I wish I remember the name of that pack. Somebody will know it. Um. But anyway, yeah, so if you if you want to see what a realistic gear list for somebody who was actually out there living and doing it, um, find there's a book called The Mad Trapper of Rat River, and in the appendix is a gear list of all the things that they found on his body. And it's um, pretty interesting to look at Isn't that, that the list. Is that the one that they... Uh, um they chased him? Yeah, with planes and everything. It, like, all of Canada was chasing this guy, and he, he, would, he covered, like, some crazy distance on foot. Yeah. Uh, like, just crazy, crossing mountain ranges and stuff, and it took, like, their entire military to finally bring the guy down. As Albert Johnson is his name. Hmm. Well, I'm not finding anything like that. Hmm. Well, I'll, I'll figure it out. Oh, you should just go look at yours. Yeah. Huh. But see, they used to use frame or wood frames, and yeah. then they would use they would use. Uh, I mean, just the thought of a wood frame pack. Yeah. Well, th actually, these are pretty comfortable. I, I got to figure this out. So we're back, and I figured out it was uh, it's actually a Trapper Nelson pack. So you can Google search that and and see what we're talking about. But that that pretty much was the standard pack that people carried like forever so mm -hmm. mine was um from my father-in-law he he had it when he was like you know a kid and they were like dime a dozen you could get them surplus and stuff so yeah that's a cool pack yeah i mean there's there's not a huge amount of room in there um but you can tie down to the to the frames and stuff like that and and add on uh like your sleeping roll or whatever um Mm -hmm. so, something similar idea. Uh, if people want to go to the trouble, they can make a uh, uh, what's called a Roycraft uh, pack frame, a Roycroft pack frame, and it's basically a triangle um, that you make just with uh, wood. And I've got a video on that. Um, 
but it, it's the same idea, um, just just not commercially made. Right. It's, it's actually. But you got to remember. Made. You got to remember these guys back then weren't changing their underwear every day. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't have a change of clothes in that pack. No. They, they, they were they were wearing what they owned. Yeah. And that was for gear. Yeah. Well, and then and then that's the thing. Um, when I when I go on those uh, longer trips and expeditions, I just I just bring one pair of clothing and repair kits to fix it. And yep. you just and have to was... accept a different level of of cleanliness and comfort than what you're mm-hmm. used to at home. Mm-hmm. So. Yep. Yeah, so you didn't have an extra set of clothes. No. Let's see knife number three. Knife number three. This is actually one of my favorite knives. Yeah. Okay, so back to knife number three. Knife number three. Can you do you notice what it is from this side? You know, it's got to be a Bark River. Yes. Yeah. Oh, the Bravo. Is that a Bravo nope. one? This is an Aurora. Okay. This is this is actually one of my favorite, and one to me one of the most useful knives that that Mike has made. Yeah, drop point. Um, high. it's a, it's a it's a it's pretty pointy tip. Uh huh. And it works, but it's a very strong tip. If you look at the thickness of it, uh huh. It's very strong. Um, it's a it's a great knife for carving. Uh-huh. It's a you can use it to drill holes because yeah. it's so pointy. It's it drills really nice. It's a very very effective tool, and and it's and it's obviously it's got a great handle, and it's um it's not so thick that that you know people will go crazy on it. It's used. It's meant to be used as a knife. Yeah, you know, but and you can carve with it, and you can baton it, and you can because it's got a convex edge. You can or a, a convex. You can. Well, kind of edge too. You can baton it. You can do a lot of things with this knife. When you hook this up to an axe, you have you literally have like the perfect outdoor set. Yeah. You know because you can split small stuff with this very easy. Yeah. Um. Or a bow saw too, I suppose. You know, you can use a bow saw and, and make way. yourself a, a baton, and this batons quite nicely. Which, which is probably another. Uh, that's a whole another topic of discussion of whether or not that's a real, that's an evolution, or if that's something that was yeah, done in the in the olden days. Maybe we'll talk <laughs> about that next time. That's a whole another thing. Yeah, but we but also this is, we also have to talk about that guy's email because I think he hit on some real good uh, points. But um, I, I don't have time to do it now. I got to go earn a living. But um, oh. I actually should too. <laughs> <laughs> I have to. I have to actually go. But but that that's my third knife for today, and and uh, it comes with a. Um, uh, actually, this sheath is a. Uh, a KSF sheath, which is one that um, Knife Ship Free designed, and I, I don't know. I'm I'm assuming that there's no other stamp on this one, so probably Greg made this one. Hmm. Um, but it's a very, uh, very usable um, setup. Very comfortable rig to wear. Uh, has a little fire steel loop mm-hmm. that you could use for fire steel, or if you wanted to use it as a, uh, um, using it as a, um, 
uh, put a sharpening. Yeah, it's a deep, you know, deep carry rig too, right? Yep, yeah. yep, yep. Only yep, problem with it is it's right-handed. <laughs> or is yours? Well, left? you know, no, um, no. This is this is right-handed, but. And, and you know what's interesting about that? I have another left-handed friend that is always bitching about that, you know. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I've done over the years is I just adapt. Yeah. I I don't have a problem with – I mean, normally a, a, a knife on my left side interferes with my gun. And and oh, so that's yeah. a, that's a uh, uh, an issue that that I've always dealt with, just I put a knife on my left-hand side – or on my right-hand side. Yeah, I, I do it. I just I – just... I, I use a left-handed sheath and wear it on my right-hand side, and then cross cross draw it with my other with my left hand. Yeah, see, I, I don't. Yeah. I, I I usually always draw a knife with a, with my right hand. Okay. And and it's just something I've gotten used to over the years, and it's and it's partially because it's hard to find left-handed sheaths, and when I get a left-handed sheath, I usually don't put it on my left side. Yeah. I mean, I, I usually always carry a knife on my on my right side, and and I I I'm. I think I'm ambidextrous enough to um, that I can deploy a knife left or right-handed and yeah. and, and and make it work. Um, I think the I think the main issue with it is just the fact that um, that I just have made an effort of doing it. Mm-hmm. And and but but I have a buddy of mine that he is um, he gets almost insulted that nobody builds left-handed <laughs> sheets. Yeah, and it's and I get a kick out of it because it's like you know what there's I got bigger battles to fight than than that yeah you know i mean that's a sheer number thing you were six percent yeah you know we're six percent and we have an advantage over everybody else on the planet yeah we're like the chosen ones or whatever yeah exactly <laughs> but I, I did tell you about that uh, uh neuropsychologist that i listened to speak one time uh-uh. talking about left and right-handed people and his deal was this will probably generate some crap from the righties um, Which is everyone. <laughs> yeah, uh, he he basically was saying that left-handed people are should not be called left-handed. He said we should be called right-handed people, or not right-handed. We should be called ambidextrous hmm. because we're truly we do things right and left-handed. Yeah, well, that's true. You know, I mean, our right hand usually isn't as strong as our left hand, but but we can still. I mean, you, there's a ton of there's a. I mean, I shoot. I probably shoot as well right-handed as I do left-handed. Huh. I mean, and and I bowl left-handed or right-handed. Yeah. I I golf left-handed or right-handed when I whenever I decide to hit balls at a driving range because that's all I'll do. I won't. I like I like going to a driving range and hitting balls. That's. <laughs> yeah. I don't I don't like playing golf, but uh, but I do like to do that. And. Um, and he was saying that right-handed people do not have that ability. Huh. And if a right-handed person does have that ability, a truly right-handed person has that ability, it means he was actually switched at birth. Yeah. From being they, right-handed to left-handed because because uh, it's a brain structure thing, I guess. Huh. Is what he was saying. And um and and we we have our uh our brains are re- are reversed, I guess. Our right and left hand Brain, yeah, right, the right, right side of your thing. brain controls your left hand. Right. Yeah. And and so we're um, uh, apparently we have a different our our connections between our brain halves are are actually different than a right-handed person's. Yeah, they would be. Yeah. 
And uh, and so he was he was really interesting to listen to talk because he was touching on all those things. It's like, well, yeah, that's true, that's true. And he said, but he was saying, truly, right-handed people do not have the same abilities. Hmm. They, you know, they can't cross over. They can't do things with their with their left hand. Hmm. They absolutely can't do things with their left hand. Hmm. And uh, so I so I was kind of intrigued by that. He he was uh, he made some pretty good arguments and yeah and. Uh, um, well, so, I, I, the only thing I do exclusively left-handed is right. I mean, yeah. I, I operate with both hands. I mean, I'll, yeah. I'll use every tool in the operating room with either hand, depending on which it makes sense to do. And and I used to get a lot of grief for that, because um, most of the general surgeons were right-handed, and they hated having a, a person that just switched around <laughs> like that, because yeah. it messed yeah. with their head, and then... But once I got into plastics, they um, most of my professors were actually left-handed. Yeah, so, you know, it didn't didn't bother anybody. But well, I think it's a. I, I do think that it's a. Um, it's an interesting. There's some interesting things that that go along with being left-handed or right-handed. And one of the things you know they talk about people that are um, left-handed tend to be more artistic, and you you know you see some of that, I guess, but. Um, I think we visualize things a little bit different, but one of the, one of the things that I'm, that I'm always intrigued by are the, the sheer number of left-handed people that I see up here huh. writing. I, I always see an inordinate number of left-handed people. I mean, way more than 6%. I mean, I bet yeah. you that, that the percentage of lefties up here is probably maybe three times the national average. Wow. Or something like that. I mean, Maybe it's, it has something and, and to I, do with the climate when you're well, in gestation or whatever. Well, I'm wondering if it's not, and a lot of people up here are transplants. So I'm wondering hmm. if that might have a lot to do with it, is that we seek a certain type of environment, a certain type of living. Yeah, could be. You know, I mean, we're, we're, we are a little bit, you know, they say that we're not right. No, that's correct. <laughs> we're not. You know, <laughs> and... and and so that's what makes me wonder about uh, about the left and right handed thing. But but back to the left and right handed sheath. I mean, I just I just deal with it. I mean, I don't I don't have an issue. You know, I don't I don't I don't get insulted by somebody that sends me a right handed sheath. Well, neither do I. Um, but if if I have a choice, I'll take the left handed one. Yeah, yeah. But for no other reason. Well, you know, and and um, and Greg up at uh, at. Um, what the heck is it? Great Lakes Leatherworks. Mm-hmm. He makes a sheath that I really, really like, and it's this one right here. Yeah, I've got it too. It's it's ambisexual. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, I've got and, the same sheath. And 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 it's a no matter which way you put the knife in there, you you can mold it to fit, and it's a very left or right handed sheath. Yeah, you can whatever you feel comfortable with, and it's an attractive sheath. The knives fit in there real well, and they're comfortable. To you know, I would provide this sheath with my knife. Yeah, me too. If, because it. Well, and then you know, if you're not going to go into some big custom thing, you know, this is this is what I, the point I've tried to make with um, knife makers and manufacturers is it it doesn't take you don't have to make a separate version of everything, just make the ones that you have switchable, you know, like this right. the Great Lakes uh, leather work. Uh, sheath sheath that you're talking about or um, you know like a lot of the a lot of the modern uh, knives that are coming out have ambidextrous sheaths you know you right. still only make one sheath but you're going to keep um, 
you know a, a chunk of your customer base happy. All right. But anyway. Well, I know there was a big there was a big push at one time where where we had to have uh, a, a lot of knife companies were we're making actual left-handed version, you know, we're, yeah. we're talking left-handed version of a random task. Yeah. Left-handed version of, uh, an Emerson. I have a CQC seven that, yeah. that is a left-handed. Um, yeah. Well, and it was interesting because, yeah, I like that knife. Yeah. Um, a, he, I just held up a left-handed Sabenza. Um, so. I had a, uh, uh, one time I was talking with Chris and he said, I want, he said, you know, I can put a dual thumb stud on that. And I said, I don't want to do a dual thumb stud on that. I said, I'm left-handed. I want people when they touch my sabenza, I want them to realize that this is this is what we feel like when we touch one of your knives. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, if uh, if I can get a knife that's specifically left-handed, I'll buy it. You know, like right. the Sebi or the Lefty Beast or yeah. uh, the left-handed Random Task. You know, I I love it when it's a specifically left-handed I, knife, but if I not, as a, long as it's ambidextrous, I don't care. I have a fair I have a fair number of left-handed knives, um, and it's one of the reasons I really really like the uh, Axis Lock. Besides the fact that they're very strong, um, the uh, they're they're truly left uh, truly ambidextrous knives you can take the clips off put them on either side yeah they, you know and they and they really it, i mean they, they don't make any difference whether or not you, they deploy from the left or the right hand side yeah so but you know i carry knives on my right hand side too though mm-hmm. you know i've been carrying that spider co um set up as a as a left-handed or as a right-handed knife huh. i've been carrying that for like like six months now hmm. and uh really like it Really like it. It's easily deployed with my right hand. I, I use it a, a lot. Uh-huh. So I think it's just a. I think it's just a matter of what you get used to and what you mentally, you know. I never want to feel like I'm victimized by knife companies because they no, don't make yeah. a left-handed. No, knife, I, you know? I, I just, I just don't buy. I just don't buy the. Well, I, I don't want to give. I, I, I do want have to say I just, I just bought a knife that I'm actually fairly disappointed with. I bought an Emerson, and thinking that you know. Obviously, you're going to be able to switch the clip around and make it ambidextrous, and no, <laughs> no, what, no possibility. What did you buy? I, I bought the. I, I don't have it here in front of me. I'll talk about it next time. But I bought like their kind of flagship Emerson model. Oh, and okay. It's like th- there's no possibility of converting it into, you know, a left-handed knife. So I'm kind of peeved about that, but whatever. Yeah, it is what it is. Yeah. You know, there, there's a. Uh, you know, see, I don't, I don't have a, I, I don't, to me, that kind of stuff doesn't bother me so much. I don't mm. want to, I don't want to feel like I'm, I'm being victimized because they won't make a left-handed knife, you know. Well, like I, I said, you I just won't, really just won't anything. buy them or not, but, yeah. um, and, and I understand that, that, that's such a small percentage of the population that it's hardly worth you know, it's like it's like the it's like the the custom makers are talking about the steel. Yeah. Well, they should really cater to us, and it's like, yeah, well, you know what? The knife industry makes the bumper, the frame industry of the cars. The whole knife industry is one day of yeah of, of GM's production. Yeah. So yeah, well, we better. It's, it's not that big deal. We bet we better get to wrapping it here. All right. All right, so until next time.
keep your knives sharp and your friends sharper. <laughs> oh, yeah. nice. Sounds good. You had to think about it too, didn't you? Well, I was waiting for you to say it. <laughs> did I have I called? Did I call you Carl at all this time? I think once. Oh, speaking of Carl and uh, Walking Dead, um, we should we should look up the knives that have have appeared in <laughs> Walking Dead. That they're hacking on people with, huh? Yeah, because no, there is one real famous. You know the, the the dirt bag guy with the crossbow. Yep. He's got a bussy. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I we, we should never we use should... that. You know what's interesting about that? I, and I, I, my wife and I were watching the ITV it or yeah, DVR it, whatever you want to call it. And uh, we watched it last night, and I I laughed because I I said something about um, oh the lady with the sword. Okay. And she's got that that katana. Okay. And every time I see her in action, I'm thinking. Okay, that's the perfect. That's like the perfect uh, um, weapon for this. I mean, besides a gun, because but you run out of bullets and that kind of stuff. You have yeah. issues. But she never runs out of bullets. She just keeps swinging that sword and whacks off part of a head, and <laughs> you know, they, and then they just press on. And I, and I said that to my wife, and she said she started laughing and said, "You know, you say that every time she uses that sword. You always <laughs> say the same thing. It's yeah. like that's the perfect weapon for this." Yeah. So. So I'm pretty convinced of that. Yeah. All right. Well, I got to run. Okay. Yeah. We'll t- until next time, uh, and we'll um, keep your emails coming. And remember, uh, um, Knife Journal at pot- podcast at knifejournal dot com for your emails. We'll we'll you know we can read them on your air on the air, and and, uh, and you can kind of direct the flow of uh, conversation a little bit with your emails. And um, remember, uh, Knife Journal. Uh, the forum and the website knifejournal.com like us on facebook knife journal and um don't forget to download the app next issue is coming out shortly yep okay talk to you later see you later have fun yep bye-bye and bye bonds bye